You are listening to episode number 16 of the Offshore Lafayette and Region Sports Podcast. This episode will feature a look into the upcoming sports week for the week of September 28th through October the 3rd, and also talk about the games I was able to attend last week. If you would like to sponsor the OLR podcast, contact me through a direct message on Twitter at BenMichael underscore FW or at OLR underscore podcast, or you can send me an email at placefair234 at yahoo.com for more information. Follow the podcast now on Twitter at OLR underscore podcast so you can make sure you do not miss another episode of the OLR podcast. The podcast will also post available scores from Oxford Lafayette and Regents sporting events. The Lafayette Lady Commodore basketball team is currently selling chicken tender plates that will be available for pickup prior to Lafayette's football's homecoming and home opener game against Grenada. Each plate will include a serving of chicken tenders, cheesy potatoes, a roll, cookies, and a sweet tea. Each plate is worth $10 and pickup will be this Friday at the LHS Commons inside the front of the school between 3 and 5 p.m. Proceeds benefit the Lafayette Lady Commodore basketball team. Tickets are currently being sold by the current members of the Lafayette Lady Commodore basketball team. Find one of them or find a coach that is on that team so you can purchase your ticket today. Well, we made it through another week of having high school sports, and so far COVID-19 has not really risen in this state since all of, all the sports have gotten started more than a month ago. And it's great to see, and right now, the current executive order still has the capacity at 25%. However, the executive order expires at the end of the month. That's going to be, I believe, on Wednesday that expires, and I expect to see a new executive order. And I expect that capacity to either remain the same or increase in some capacity and that might be a good thing for the football games coming up this week especially homecoming where many of the students would like to attend that particular game and see who their homecoming queen is but first I would like to talk about some of the other sports this week first off the cross-country um, teams that participated in the Tupelo Invitational yesterday on Saturday in the Tupelo Invitational, Oxford's Luke Johnson won the event individually with a time of 16 minutes 50 seconds. Congratulations to Luke Johnson on his victory there. Other um, top 30 finishers include Matthew Singletary, who had a 4th place finish of 17 minutes 28 seconds. Ethan Knight, who had a 15th place finish at 18 minutes 20 seconds and Brooks Austin who had a 25th place finish at 18 minutes 55 seconds. Oxford as a team finished fourth behind South Hill, Starfield, and Tupelo. It is also worth noting of course Chase Rose did not participate in that event. It's, he's likely due to probably being a rest period as determined by the coach as he's ran a couple of races really well lately. And doesn't want him to get unnecessarily injured in a competition that doesn't really matter. Lafayette did have three runners participate that is short of the five they need to score in this event as a team. They did not have anybody placed in the top 30. But they signed a couple athletes up in this event. More so so that some of the runners that they've had in quarantine was, will be able to get a race in. Or some the runners that they had an injury to could get a race in and that's why they had a few individuals participate but not as a team. Oxford girls for the same reason did not participate because 
most of the team is still under quarantine from COVID-19 from the previous week. They should be back for um, next week. In volleyball this week, Lafayette had a easy match against Water Valley, and then they had a rough match against Center Hill going 1-1 one and one on the week. But the more important match, obviously, was that Center Hill match, and Center Hill is the defending 5A state champions. Simply, just by looking at the scores, just overpowered the Lady Commodores in the volleyball match as they went down three straight sets on the road, and Center Hill just being a powerful team this year, and they are really the team to beat in 5A. Things have not lost hope yet. They're 1-2 and two in 1-5A. They still face Altillo again this week. And they have Lake Comerant on the horizon who right now is out their best player. And if that player who I believe is Elijah Rose, she went down into Tupelo Volley Fest a couple of weeks ago. And she had a major strain on her leg that caused her injury. And she's still out for that game. Lafayette will have a chance to compete and win that match and keep themselves in the playoff race. Regardless, with or without, Lafayette did fare well against Lake Comrade last time. This week they do have South Tillo, and I believe they also have Center Hill on the return trip, so a very important week for the Lafayette volleyball team if they want to have their playoff hopes still alive. Oxford, meanwhile, knows what their postseason hopes are. They had a try match on Monday against Tupelo and New Albany. They defeated New Albany in three sets, two sets to one. The, in the try match, you only play a best of three sets instead of a normal best of five sets. Against Tupelo, they lost in straight sets again to Tupelo, two sets to none. And they went one and one there. But the more important matches were on Tuesday and Thursday, which was against their region opponents, South Haven and Hernando, at home against South Haven. Oxford won in straight sets, three sets to none. And at Hernando, they won three sets to one. They were already 3-0 in the region. That puts them at 5-0. and And not only did that clinch them a playoff berth, Oxford, the Oxford volleyball team are division champions once again this year. So they will host the first round of the playoffs when October 13th comes around. That's when the playoffs will start in volleyball. That is two weeks from now. I believe that's on a Tuesday. Two weeks from this upcoming Tuesday is when the first round of the volleyball playoffs will happen. Meanwhile, with the region's volleyball team, they went 1-1 one one this week with a home victory against Victory Christian. Then they went on the road to Starkville High and lost a pretty competitive match to Starkville going 1-1 one one this week. Puts their overall record at 12-19 and 19 overall. They defeated Victory Christian in four sets. Won the first two sets, lost the third set, and then won the fourth set to take that match. They are now 12-19 and 19 overall, and their playoffs are coming around soon. Unlike the MHSAA, they are already in the playoffs without needing to play um, certain teams within a division, quote-unquote. And they will be seated appropriately. It is pretty much an all-state tournament where every team participates, and we wish them the best of luck when that comes around. Going into this Friday, this past Friday's football games, Lafayette had a big game against West Point, and Oxford had a thrilling game against South Haven. First, I would like to talk about the Lafayette game at West Point. I know Jared Wedding and Walker Bailey was there, and they called me um, after the game to tell me how that went. And it's and just by keeping up with the updates on Twitter while I was at the Oxford game, Lafayette was simply turnover prone in that game 
unlike the last two meetings last year where Lafayette had a lead and then slipped up at the end, it was it was Lafayette that spotted West Point 21 points in large part because Lafayette turned the ball over on their inside their own territory and West Point was able to cash in for um, two at least two of the three scores. Of course, I wasn't there. I'm not sure how the third score happened. I would need to look that up. But turnover prone by Lafayette is what caused West Point to go up 21 nothing. But later in the second half, Lafayette started to make a comeback attempt similar to how Oxford made theirs, and I'll talk about that later. Uh, Lafayette was able to score two touchdowns and still had about three and a half minutes on the clock, but they were unable to um, stop West Point and get the ball back. Or they they got the ball back, but were unable to score again. And West Point was able to hold on to a 21-15 victory over the Commodores. And now I'll talk more about the game that I attended, which was Oxford's game at South Haven. Seems like something always goes amiss whenever Oxford goes to South Haven, of course. South Haven High School was the football field that Oxford coach Chris Cutcliffe got his first career coaching victory. And that was a thrilling game because South Haven was in Oxford's red zone in that game. And C.J. Terrell, I believe, was the one that came up with a big interception that sealed the victory. And the last time Oxford made the trip to South Haven, Lightning, well, the second-to-last trip technically, Lightning came down on the football field, and it was postponed to Saturday. And Oxford had a rather easy 30-7 to victory. Last season, Oxford easily defeated South Haven 45-8. to this year, South Haven came ready to play, especially through the air. They had a big playmaker. I believe it was Isaiah Brevard, who had th- just three receptions, but those three receptions totaled 213 receiving yards. That included a 99-yard bomb from their own one. One play after South Haven avoided getting an intentional grounding in the end zone penalty, the refs had said that he was at the one-yard line on that intentional grounding. And fortunate for South Haven that happened because the very next play, a 99-yard bomb happened. As South Haven was able to get an 18-8 to lead on the Oxford Chargers. Oxford got its touchdown after South Haven had muffed a punt on one of the punt returns after Oxford was forced to an early punting situation set up at South Haven's 20-yard line, and Michael Harvey was able to find D.K. Johnson and cash in to make the score 8-0 early. But after that, it was South Haven's passing game that really got Oxford in in knots on defensively as they were unable to stop Isaiah Brevard. Dontavius Brevard is their running back. I'm not sure if they're cousins, brothers, or whatnot, but they do have the same last name. In the second half, Isaiah Brevard caught another big reception. Oxford was able to chase him down at the three-yard line. Isaiah Brevard tried to stretch for the end zone, but the official ruled that he stepped out of bounds before doing that, and he ended up injuring himself on the play. Very, In a similar fashion, that Tyrus Williams was two weeks ago for Oxford. Uh, He was not able to return to the game. He wasn't ejected, obviously, but he was not able to return to the game, and that would prove big for the rest of the second half for South Haven because Oxford's defense was able to force three straight, um, three or less play possessions, two or three and outs, and Oxford was able to force a turnover on the third possession after that happened. 
But on the next possession after that happened, Dontavious Brever was able to um, get a big 50-yard run play, something that's really rare because Oxford's usually a good run defense team. And South Haven was able to <clears throat> score on that and make the score 28-8. to And that's in between that, Oxford has safety because after Brever got hurt, Oxford was able to get a goal line stand. But then uh, Michael Harvey retreated into the end zone, got hit there, and gave South Haven a safety on that play instead of just punting from the 12-yard line. South Haven was able to get a touchdown right after that. And after that, Tripp Maxwell entered in at quarterback and was able to execute Oxford's best drive of the game, a 7-play 68-yard drive, I believe, in order to bring the score to 28-15. And then the very first play after South Haven got the ball back, Tristan Shorter intercepted um, the quarterback for South Haven and took it 15 yards for a pick six, dragging Dontavious Brifford all the way there. And that was a huge momentum turn in the game. And that all of a sudden, that 20-point lead that looked, looked insurmountable, looked like Oxford was getting run out of the stadium. And all of a sudden, it's a six-point game again. It was 28-22. South Haven on offense came to a screeching halt after that. As they went three and out and three and out on the next two possessions. And one thing about South Haven that is very surprising from any other 5A, 6A school in this state is that they don't have a kicker. Very surprising to see a 6A school not have a kicker. As a result, they had punts of 24 yards and really half of those yards came on a bounce. And another punt that only went 15 yards. They also had another punt in the game that only went 9 yards. So they averaged just a little more than 15 yards per punt. And on kickoffs, they didn't have a kickoff kicker really either. Just one that could kick it 20-25 yards down the field. Each time Oxford simply fell on it instead of trying to return it. So that they had at least decent field position. But in each case, Oxford was set up inside South Haven's 35 um, after both of those punts, very good field position, and almost on the doorstep of Jack Tannehill's field goal range. In both of those possessions, after those punts, Oxford was able to get one first down, but was unable to get anything else after that. But it was still close enough for Jack Tannehill to kick field goals of 25 yards and 34 yards to the tie the game at 28-28. And then Oxford was able to get a South Haven after Tristan Shorter had deflected the a ball and Xavier Wilson was right there to fall on it. Oxford was able to get another field goal to take the lead at 31-28. Now South Haven's defense really did do a good job most of the night. They gave up one drive and they were set up pretty badly on the other one that Oxford scored a touchdown on. Oxford really had Oxford's offense, even though 31 points were scored, Oxford's offense was really in check most of the night. They had one drive after Oxford went down 20, and Oxford did really well on that, was pretty successful through the air, but South Haven's defense really stood tall there. They got put into a difficult situation on the first touchdown the first half and allowed that one, but they held Oxford to three field goals, and normally you say that's a job well done by the South Haven defense despite all the bad situations they were put in all night because... When South Haven's offense couldn't put it together or because of another special teams gaffe, South Haven's defense was able to keep this keep 
their team in the game and South Haven should really be given props for that. They held Oxford to around 260 yards of offense. South Haven, I think, had about 430 yards of offense that helped carry that team. So South Haven's defense should be given a lot of credit for keeping Oxford out of the end zone there. But credit to Jack Tannehill and being clutch there for those three field goals in the fourth quarter because that allowed Oxford to get over the top and propel them to win this game. Had a little help with a little injury concern because South Haven's offense did change after that. But all in all, a great job of Oxford not giving up, putting forth the effort to stay in this game and ultimately finding a way to win and keeping their school record win streak of 16 games now intact. That 20-point comeback was the largest in school history, and that's a pretty big deal after really three of the last four games in 15 years prior when Max Preps first entered. The biggest comeback had only been 14 points. In the last four games, including the state championship game, Oshawa has had comebacks of 18 points, 16 points, and 20 points for their new three biggest comebacks in school history. And that's just something calling the Comeback Chargers is one publication wrote earlier this weekend. And that is just that is just a game that you know Oxford should be getting off to better starts like they did against Grenada up until they had the special teams gaffe. Oxford did score first, but then it seems like it's been a chess match and just a grind to get through the second quarter. Second quarters have been pretty bad for Oxford. That's when they gave up the 22 points to Lafayette. That's when Grenada kind of took a little bit of control of that game in the second quarter. And South Haven took control then, giving, putting up 18 points in the second quarter. Second quarters have not been fond of Oxford this year. But Oxford's been able to come back from the second quarter um, blues, per se, and were able to come back with victories in each one of them. Oxford's now 3-0 on the year. Next week, um, Oxford will have Lewisburg, who took one to the chin, 41-13 to against Horn Lake. That's a bit surprising considering Lewisburg's defense was really good last year and Horn Lake's offense was has been pretty bad up until that point because Horn Lake has only scored 14 points per game last year, only scored six against Lafayette, and then Lafayette promptly gave up 33 to Oxford. But... Lewisburg's defense against one leg, that's pretty surprising. So that should tell me that Oxford offense should be able to exploit this Lewisburg defense and score some points in that game. This is also a game where um, Oxford's defense can get more experience. I mean, all these games count, and experience is the best teacher. And last week, I'm sure that Oxford's defense is going to get a little coaching up especially after all the pass plays that they allowed last week especially deep pass plays losing those one-on-one battles with Isaiah Brevard or Brevard's just a complete athlete making those plays kind of like how some of the Oxford wide receivers have been making some of those plays but it does give Oxford's defense another chance to um, show off what they can do and show that they can learn something from the previous weeks hopefully the percentage capacity can increase for this homecoming game as the executive order is supposed to expire this month and hopefully it'll rise from that 25 percent capacity to maybe something more like 30 40 or even 50 percent capacity if it's 50 percent capacity then the number of tickets sold on Oxford's side would rise from 514 to like a thousand twenty eight 
but we don't know that yet. Obviously, it's all up to Governor Tate Reese to see what he decides to do. As, uh, as the state's COVID cases have remained steady around 400 um, per day. You know, of course, they've been up and down based on the day you look at it. A couple days, they've been at, like, say, 150. And then a couple days later, they're at, like, 750 as the system catches up from the weekend. Because some areas of the state don't report on the weekend until Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. And then those numbers tend to fluctuate going up and down. So it, we may see a small increase. <clears throat> I'm not sure it will be like 50%. It may be 40% or even 30%. And this would go to um, college stadiums too. 30, they're at 25% right now. And they could go up as well before Ole Miss and Mississippi State have a home game. Looking at some of the other games and matches and meets for next week in the sports, uh, we already talked about football as both teams will have homecoming games. A very rarity that both teams will have home games this week. Oxford against Lewisburg and Lafayette at Grenada, uh, not at Grenada, against Grenada. Both of those games can be heard on the radio. Oxford's games can be heard at 95.5 FM and can be seen online on the NFL Just Network streaming-wise. For Lafayette, it'll be on the It'll be on 105.1 FM, and you can see that streaming live for a fee of $10 at lafco.live, their streaming channel. Um, volleyball games this week, I already talked about how big of a week it is for Lafayette. They'll be at Saltillo on Tuesday, and they'll be at home against Center Hill on Thursday. For Oxford, they'll be at New Albany on Tuesday. They'll be at South Haven for their final region game for Thursday. While it does not matter to Oxford, it may matter to South Haven because South Haven is still fighting for a playoff spot for that runner-up position. And for Regents, they'll be at Victory Christian. And they'll be at Amory versus Grace Christian and Amory for a tri-match themselves. Swimming something I have not talked a lot about, and hopefully I will. Uh, but both Oxford and Lafayette will be in a tri-meet with South Panola. Not very many meets this year, obviously, for COVID-19 regions. F reasons, not regions. <laughs> uh, that tri-meet is going to be at the Oxford City Pool. That starts at 3 p.m. Also, a JV home game for Oxford. They'll be playing against South Panola on Monday. That's tomorrow. That will start at 7.30 p.m. And cross-country next week, both Oxford and Lafayette will be competing at Mississippi College at the Watson Invitational. That's a big meet, not just because a lot of teams participated, but Mississippi College is also home to the state meet. So that gives the teams around the state a chance to run the course that will be the state meet and give pretty much a practice run at it. Boy, uh, girls will start at 10 a.m. that day, and boys will start at 11 a.m. for that meet at Mississippi College. As I end this episode of the podcast, um, just a reminder to please wear your mask. I know that seems like a little redundant and we're, it seems like we may want to lax off a bit, but we cannot let up because all if we let up, all of a sudden we'll go from 400 new cases a day to 4,000 new cases a day. And that all of a sudden is going to shut down the sports season as we know it. So please keep wearing your mask. Please keep social distancing. Please wear your mask. Cannot say that enough. Because if we want sports to continue, if we want to have a basketball season next month, starting in November, we need to keep this up and keep wearing our masks. Because that, that, that would be the future of our sports seasons. And, 
for all we know the homecoming games this Friday if we don't do what we're supposed to do that could be the last game for the seniors they could never see another football game again again for the rest of their lives for a bunch of these players so please keep wearing your mask so we can keep having these games and we can have that complete season that these athletes so deserve and we can have a basketball and soft and soccer season we can have a powerlifting season we can have a baseball and softball season and actually finish it this time instead of just cutting it off when this entire thing started this past spring so please wear your mask continue to social distance so that we can not only get out of this pandemic but we can have all of our sports again just like normal and we can have everybody that wants to come to a sporting event come to a sporting event because if we don't if we have cases rise the restrictions are not going to be let up we're still going to have that 25% capacity. We are not going to get it up to the 50% or even full capacity when sports seasons come around for, say, baseball or softball or even basketball. So please wear your mask and continue the social distancing, and I thank you all for doing that. Thank you for listening to the OLR Podcast. This was Episode 16, which took a look into the upcoming sports week and recapped the previous week in Lafayette County Sports and took a look at ahead into the Lafayette and Oxford football teams as they continue to navigate through division play. Thank you for listening.